Hi, this is Michelle Lassley with Balance Shared, a space where I truly believe we are better together. My guest today is Jessica Hansen. She uses the pronouns she, her, hers. Jessica Hansen is an efficiency expert and productivity professional, a business coach for overcoming obstacles, and she creates resilience in life and business. She's passionate about helping women succeed with their unique dreams by creating efficient systems and strategies for running their business, saving time and money. She's also a best-selling author, a sought-after keynote speaker, an engaging workshop leader, and serves alongside local political leaders in her community on the South Columbia County Chamber of Commerce Board. She's, she's the leader of the Portland Chapter for an International Women's Empowerment Organization, and she has spoken on stages across the nation. She knows a thing or two about balance as a mother of four kids, 13 chickens, and two dogs. In her free time, you'll find her in the garden or in the forest, reading books, taking classes, or volunteering in the community. She founded Jubilee Collective, a nonprofit co-working and community collaboration space in Scappoose, Oregon. Her first book, The Resilience Code, was published October 2018, and her second, Magnify Your Master Plan, was published the same year in November. Jessica, thank you so much for joining us today. You're welcome, and thank you so much for having me, Michelle. So for my woo like-minded friends, I like to start with what we uh, use to prepare ourselves for this interview. And so, for example, I grabbed Blue Lotus and Jasmine essential oils out of my bag and applied those. And then I've got this amethyst that always sits on my desk and a citrine that always sits on my desk. So what do you have for your inspiration? Well, I am wearing a focus blend so that I don't go all crazy in many different tangents because I am known to do so. And I have three pocket stones with me today. One is sardonyx, one is yellow fluorite, and one is a blue kyanite and fuchsite warrior stone. Oh, lovely. And we will have links to those names in the show notes. So if you're interested in looking up their meaning and why they are helpful, I would invite you to. So we are going to talk about systems eventually because you are the queen of making systems. You like, like I see strategy, you are, or the priestess. I prefer to call you a priestess, actually. You are the priestess <laughs> of systems. <laughs> Whether or not you own that term, that's what I like to call you. Uh, and you see systems so, so, so clearly. And before we get into how we can systematize various aspects of life and whatnot, I think we should talk about sustainability. Your favorite topic. It is my favorite topic. So at the time of this recording, we are in a global pandemic and pretty much the entire world is on some semblance of self-isolation, self-quarantine, where most people, if they're able, are working from home, their kids are distance learning from home, and we're limiting really consciously our trips outside the world. And if, like my husband works for the local transit authority, so he has to go to work, uh, there is an interesting aspect to who has to go to work and who can work from home that I don't want to touch on, but that will be a great another conversation. So you had a revelation though, like about sustainability. Can you share what that was? 
I did have this revelation. In fact, it's more than a revelation. It was actually an epiphany this morning that this coronavirus pandemic that we are currently experiencing is a huge opportunity for us to look at our lives and see if we are living in sustainability. So I'm not talking about specifically just green living, but that is one piece of it because all the things that we're doing have to be sustained day to day. Now, if we are not able to go to the store regularly, go to work regularly, drop our kids off at school, what are those things that we're doing in our quote normal that are not sustainable that we can bring to light and change? So for example, we would easily go to the grocery store two to three times per week. Right. And now the last time our family went to the grocery store was seven days ago, actually eight days ago. This will be day eight. Of course. And even to the point of if I go to the store and I I can't speak for specifically where you live, but where we are, they're limiting the number of people in the store at any given time. There's literally a queue line out the door. And this is not normal, right? This is not what we're used to. We live in the instant gratification society where anything we want, we run to the store and we get one thing at a time. Most of the time, we don't even plan our list completely in the normal. I'm using quotes, always air quotes Mm -hmm. with normal because, you know, obviously what is normal, but Sorry, that's a little woo. <laughs> Let me not go on that tangent. <laughs> we can discuss the normal human construct on another show. <laughs> My, yes, that's a whole nother can of worms. We won't go there. But, um, you know, and even working from home, you know, are we set up? Are we mentally prepared? Like, do we have our work life organized, you know, in a way that we have a system? We can just pick it up. Uh, you know, I'm not able to go to my desk in the office right now. So how can I cue myself to get all of those things done at home remotely without the visual cue on my desk? You know, whatever we use, everybody, I'm speaking a little bit generally because obviously everybody uses different. I happen to use, um, I'm a huge paper and pencil person, right? Like the, the kineticness, of of writing and crossing things off is like a big deal to me like that is my sense of accomplishment like I did that you know if you could see me I'm making like a huge check mark because um lots of energy it's huge like I, it's I can huge, validate that right <laughs> <laughs> for those of you not on zoom um but you know are you that kind of person do you have it on your laptop, right? Maybe you use something like Todoist, which is one of my favorite online Mm -hmm. task lists. Um, Do you have a way to actually track the things that you're doing and do you write them down week to week? Um, This is something a lot of people never considered. And I can tell you this. Oh, sorry, go ahead. Well, I just, I just want to refocus, like, like thinking about the sustainability of work and sustainability of getting to and from work and whatnot. Cause like this blends really well into systems and we'll get to that in a minute, but like just the sustainability of it, right? Like you're talking about, okay, so 
I'm going to use a really tangible example. Sure. The kids. So my kid goes to a private Catholic school. And so in Oregon on March 12th, that's when the governor said, we're going to close schools the first time. It is at the time of this recording, it has since been extended through the school year. But at that moment, it was through the end of March. And the next day was Friday the 13th, a beautiful day. And uh, we can talk about the astrology that happened around that time too. There's some very interesting things. Yes. Um, We, so the kids have like art boxes and then they've got, so we're in a different time than when I was in school, right? So I graduated high school in 1996. So I'm very much in mm-hmm. a Gen X, late Gen X, 80s, early 90s kid. And, you know, every single book that we had, every subject we had, had a book associated with yeah. it. Al Gore had just invented the internet, pun intended. And uh, uh, so, you know, there wasn't this real easy mobile learning. Nowadays, there are some publishers that have their books online. For math support, the teacher uses a lot of Khan Academy. This was already built into the system. And and so for these kids, they had to grab a couple books. They had to grab all of their binders and folders, of course. Mm -hmm. And they had to get their art box. Because in in this school, each kid has a box of all of their pencils, pens, markers, and things like that. So they stuffed it all into their backpacks. And then that was it. Friday the 13th, they they leave and, and go. And since the next Monday, so I count our quarantine days on March 14th, um, but that next Monday would have been the 16th. That's when they started distance learning. And if they if kids didn't have, uh, like parents had to shift fast. The, our school is small. It's got about 250 kids, students. They have given out 60 Chromebooks. So a number of families already had some sort of computing system at home, but they did have, they made available the various Chromebooks that were in school. And so all of the parents had to pivot immediately. Like, what do my kids need? What kind of setup? How is my internet? How is all of this? Like, how can we sustain distance learning at home? Yes, absolutely. And likewise, a work person, right? So like, you know, all your binders, your, you do a lot of project management at your, at your day job. I do. This is so funny because having everything so, so much uncertainty in the world and no end date is a project management, management worst nightmare. Like it, it's the unforeseen circumstance of, I cannot do my job because everything. So my project management day job is all around supply chain and my job started to get difficult in February around the time of Chinese New Year before it hit at home you know to say our we had suppliers in China where this started close the doors I apologize for the dog barking we are at home <laughs> in this environment. We're all this distance working. <laughs> um, <laughs> but we we literally were like, okay, all right, this is isolated. It's sorry, here goes the other dog. You know, things are happening. Um, what's what's going on? Like, how do we adjust? And we we had this period of I went, you know. It's about most of our supply chain is in transit via ship. So I was like, okay, so we have about 60 days. March, April is when this is really going to hit. 
boy, was that a clairvoyant moment for me. (laughs) Because I did not realize at that time what April would be like. Because Mm. at this point, all manufacturing has stopped. Um, It's not just the supply chain. It's the entire country, unless it's literally moving consumer goods to the customer, it's basically shut down because of social distancing. And so, you know, every week we have, um, that is a sponsor for our event. So in the morning, um, they get their hair, makeup, they get a free photo session. They get, um, pictures sent to them electronically. They also get temporary tattoos from a local company in Bend called Conscious Inc. that says you are enough. Um, Our models, our Kirishi Closet models also hang out with the teens and just chat with them, mentor them. And then we provide a lunch. And then in the afternoon, we do panels for the teens. Um, We just had one in the spring and our, actually our teen Kirishi closet models were on the panel so it was amazing to see the growth that our teens have had to be able to mentor other teens yeah and we do a workshop similar for the adults as well nice uh so what is it so as a nonprofit, what is the cost to attend the event or how, so, how does somebody get to go into the event so the year enough is by first come basis and it is completely free oh wow wow and, and then with the foundation, we also started this year offering scholarships, limited amount of scholarships for plus size individuals to attend body positive events, workshops. Wherever throughout. So part, these two events, one for teens and one adults, right? Correct. And, uh, and then another is scholarships to attend other body positive events. Right. So we, we had, gave a scholarship to someone to go to New York City to attend a Silver Fox modeling boot camp. Mm. We have sent two individuals up to Seattle to attend an event called Curves Beautifully Empowered. We are helping a teen model who got selected to go to Miami for Stars Stars Network to do a boot model or um, acting boot camp. And so those are some of the things we're doing out in the community. Nice. Okay, we will talk more about like where people can find that later, but let's take a break. And when we come back, I want to talk more about your, your, the fashion show, because we didn't really dig into that very much, a li- and then uh, the importance of body positivity. Welcome back. So we've been speaking with Becky Jarvis, of course, about plus size fashion and how she has been able to make her stamp in the world by creating the curvy chic closet consignment and then its foundation. Uh, So you were the nominee for 2019 fashion show producer of the year. What does that mean? Um, Portland Fashion and Style Awards is a local um, organization that honors people in the fashion industry. And so it was a huge honor to be a nominee, especially in the plus size arena, because you still have to push through plus size fashion. If you look at like fashion weeks across the country, it's mostly straight sizes. What do you mean by straight sizes? Straight sizes are typically zero to size eight. And believe it or not, in some traditional fashion, size 
eight ten can be considered plus size. Wow. In the plus size arena, most consider plus size anywhere from 12 or 14 on up. Oh, wow. Wow. I was a size six when I was 13 years old. And that was the last time I ever saw size six. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Okay. So I have been amazed at the amount of advertising lately. Like, uh, you know, so where do we get our advertising now? I get my advertising on Instagram and Facebook. And then if I, I don't watch a lot of YouTube, but if I watch a YouTube ad, when I watch YouTube ads, a lot of Grammarly ads, but on Facebook and Instagram, I get a lot of underwear. There's, you know, all these new underwear that keep popping up, right? And these shaper things and whatnot. And what I have been amazed with is there is a level of intention that is different now than a year, two, three, certainly 10 years ago on showing different ethnicities and different body shapes. And so there'll be maybe one traditional, very thin, maybe like a size zero or two model, but the rest of them have varied sizes all the way up to somebody who looks like they could be a size 16, 20, or even more. And the other thing I've been amazed at, so in in an, a typical broad panty sort of um, advertisement, right? Your the models might turn around, and you can see their curves, you know, like where their skin like folds in and whatnot. And I get the sense that all of those things were airbrushed out of magazine ads and years before. So, what's your observation of this shift in? showing it all i think it's a good thing but we still have a long ways to go um i love seeing more diversity but we're still not there yet like for example in our fashion show we've we have a teen that's in a wheelchair that's plus size we've had women walk down a runway that had walkers or visually impaired hearing impaired and so I think it's a good shift, but honestly, there's still much more. Um, the buzzword size inclusivity is still not there because a lot of retailers say, oh, I'm size inclusive, but that size inclusive only goes to 3X, typically a size wow. 22. Wow. Do you have statistics about the breakdown of plus size sizing? Um, no, I do not. And I have not seen any in terms of retailers other than there is a movement to set, to not use the word size inclusive unless you're going to even a size 30. Oh, sure. Sure. Yeah. Interesting. Okay. Um, so tell me more about the diversity that you have built in, into your fashion show. How did that, like, how did that come about? Has that always been a value of yours? Did it come about slowly? Um, for me being Latina, I wanted to see diversity and we still struggle to get that diversity, but I will continue to try and make an effort towards that. I do go out to community events such as NIA, which is Native American Youth Association. I have gone to some Latin Latino networking events. I, you know, cause I know in the communities of color that you can't just send something you have to actually get to know people in the different ethnic communities um like i said we've we encourage women 
and men to apply. Um, it's been really hard with our big and tall um, male models because most men don't aren't interested in modeling. And a couple of years ago, I had to get a business card so that I wouldn't look like some crazy stalker. Because if I see someone that would look good for our fashion show and I'm in a restaurant, I'm going to give them a business card and say, hey, same as our, our female models. Yeah. A lot of our models think, well, I'm not beautiful enough. And it's like, we're not looking for blonde hair, blue eyes, size 10 models. Yeah. You know? You're looking for a range. Right. You know, I've been to a Hawaiian festival in Vancouver a year ago with my business cards. And I asked a couple of women because I was told to go to some restaurant booth. And they looked at me when I said, well, I'm looking for big and tall men. And they laughed and they said, well, Hawaiian Samoan men are usually short. I said, oh, that's okay. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, Okay. So you shared with us that you have over 40 women of color, women of different abilities, women of all ages from 14 to 60 plus. Um, when we talked a little bit about the Silver Fox, we can dig into that too. And then, you know, the walkers and whatnot. So you have over 40 models and they range of different, different. Do you have a breakdown of like, I'm just curious, like what percentage of um, your models identify as just these different things that we talked about? Like just so we can get a makeup of like in within that 40. So in the 40 models right now for the fall fashion show, we have four men. We have, I think, four or five teens. Um, About 10 of our models are ages 40 to 65. Nice. So there's a a pretty, like, a a good chunk, right? Yes. Yeah, and yes. between like maybe 10 and 25%, depending on whatever category you want to. Yeah, look. because in our, in our traditional fashion shows pre-COVID, I wanted that 15-year-old to be able to see themselves on the runway. I wanted that 60-year-old to be able to see themselves on that runway. Right, so this, that's kind of what I was talking about when the shift in what we display in advertising. Being able to see somebody who has curves like you in all the weird, funny places that we have curves, it normalizes the situation. Yes, yes. And it just, it empowers people. Mm -hmm. We've had mother and daughters um, come to our casting call and get casted. We've had three or four sets of mother and daughters. Oh, interesting. Uh, So let's take an example of a mother and daughter who comes in. And you don't have to use any names unless you want to, of course. Um, or so they, they come in and they're like, all right, we're going to try this thing. Maybe they think it's like kind of a shot in the dark. Walk us through what happens in the transformation. Because I'm imagining, so, so what I'm looking for, and you can validate me or correct me or whatever, is um, there's a sense of power, right? Like you were talking about, you feel empowered. When you are on a stage and you are feeling good in the clothes that you're wearing and in your body it's like everything is coming into an alignment and then if you're on the stage and you're you're made up to feel beautiful right so you've had these professionals pampering you and 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 so then if I would imagine just like you have in the uh changing rooms there's people all around saying you're gorgeous darling you're beautiful look at how this works you know so you're being filled up your cup is like runneth over right with all of these good vibes or however you want to call that 
And so then when you get on that stage, you can literally just shine. So can you kind of walk us through like what you've observed as that transformation? So like with the mom and daughter who might come in and I would imagine there's a piece of them that's probably curious and a piece of them that feels like they, they could do it other ways. I probably wouldn't have applied, um, but there's still uh, some sort of transformation that happens. And I was curious if you could showcase that for us. Yes, absolutely. Um, one of the mother and daughters that comes to mind is a daughter who started with us when she was 13. This is going to be her, the fall show, I believe will be her third fashion show. When she started with us, she was 13, and she is six foot in middle school and has battled, you know, can you imagine yourself being six foot tall in middle school? Well, I'm five two, so no. (laughs) (laughs) She gets bullied because of her height, her size. I mean, in this last year, she has blossomed. And her mother has come to all the fashion shows because she's a minor, And the daughter finally convinced her mom to audition for our fall, which was supposed to be our spring fashion show. Um, Mom was very hesitant, Mm -hmm. but she did it for her daughter. We, we casted the mom. The mom is pretty excited. And we said, you know, if your daughter can do this, you can do this too. Yeah. Seeing the backstage, you've been, you've watched your daughter grace the, the runway And to watch both of them come so far, you know, is totally amazing. The self-confidence on the mother, the self-confidence on the teen. Mm -hmm. To watch the teen mentor other plus-size teens has been just, it's heartwarming. Yeah, that's awesome. So what is body positivity to you? Body positivity means accepting, for me personally, accepting where I'm at. I don't need to be a size 14. I don't need to be a size. It's where I'm at with my body. I am fine with, I don't need to change my body to please other people. And I also believe that body positivity doesn't just apply to the plus size arena. It also applies to all sizes It means that if someone wants to lose weight for health reasons, we don't shame them. If someone gains weight, we don't shame them. It's their body, their choice. We are not medical doctors for those people. Right. So one of the things that I've observed as the growing uh, awareness of body positivity is uh, you end up on the other side of, of shaming thin women or very thin women. And so you're saying no to all of that. Correct. I mean, I have friends that are size two, four and, you know, they experience the other extreme of people say, Oh, you just need to eat a little bit more. You're not eating enough, you know, and we have such, there are so many eating disorders that are silent that people don't know about. Mm. Uh, as a woman who was a teenager once herself and through the teens that you experienced, um, I'm wondering if we could just dig into a little bit more uh, what it feels like to look at or hear things from other people. So look at other media or hear things from other people and just kind of dig in a little bit more what it does to our self-esteem when, when you're surrounded by all that judgment. 
would have to say it fat discrimination is there. It starts at an early age. It a few years ago I was camping down near Salem and these two girls they were probably nine and ten I was swinging on the just hanging out on the swings and Mm -hmm. one of them talked to me about being told that she has um her thighs rubbed together and so she doesn't have thigh thigh gap and I was like shocked because it's like it's starting when those kids are nine or ten years old oh my gosh and she wasn't even she was normal size for a kid yeah but telling her, you know, you look, you're okay. Please don't listen to that. Right. You know, and then for many plus size women, people make assumptions. Uh, what kind of assumptions have you observed? Um, they assume a lot of times that plus size women don't like to look beautiful, don't want clothes, or they assume that um, plus like in the business world, plus size women don't have any interest in purchasing gym equipment or they don't have any interest in purchasing yarn or hobby things. As a business person, I try to, I usually get sponsors for different things, such as our swag bags. And a couple of years ago, I was at a place in Beaverton and I had approached a local restaurant that was next to my venue and a hobby store and a beauty supply store and they all turned me down but on opening day when they saw a line of plus size women waiting to get in an hour before they came over and gave me their coupons to volunteer with no money I had to call them and say well you'd love to advertise um here's the cost and coupons. if not please come and get your coupons yeah oh wow and so they were just completely ignorant of the need for the, the need and the demand for plus size clothing and dismissed you out of hand and then were shocked. Yeah. When, but it, when was they a, found it was a restaurant and a beauty supply. So they made assumptions that plus size individuals don't have money to spend. Right. Right. Or wouldn't be interested in their products for whatever reason. Yeah. Fascinating. Okay. But you are working to combat all that. You've been doing this 10 years running. COVID will not let you down and you will get through this and we will have a fashion show and a consignment shop in some way so that you can do 19 events and 14 fashion shows by the end of 2020. Uh, Where can people find more information? Okay, they can follow us on Facebook. It's Curry Chic Closet. And then our website is www.karishicloset.com. Our foundation, which is a 501c3, is www.ccc.foundation. Nice. And you accept donations all year long, and it will go to support the two events, one for teens, one for adults, and the scholarships. And the fashion show as well. And the fashion show. Oh, awesome. Great. Great. Uh... Thank you so much for joining us today. Uh, I am so glad that we could talk about body positivity, the importance of plus size clothing and making a nod towards the work that we still have to do. Thank you for um, asking or inviting me to interview. You're welcome. Curvy Sheet Closet is open Thursday, October 1st through Sunday, October 4th. 
Visit Facebook or the website for more information and details, and even about the fashion show on Saturday, October 3rd. Balance Shared is produced and edited by me, Michelle Astley. The instrumental music, Grass, by Silent Partner, is from the YouTube Audio Library. If you've enjoyed today's episode, leave a review, especially on Apple Podcasts. If you've loved the messages of co-creating a better future and digging into ourselves, maybe you'd like to become a supporter. Email hello at michelleastley.com to get your sponsorship guide. Thank you for listening to this podcast. This is Michelle Astley with Balance Shared, a space where I truly believe we are better together. The only thing that's going to be accomplished if they're up later than that is we are going to fight and argue and it's, it's going to cause a lot of contention. So I have no problem if they choose to lay in their bed and read books. Um, but the expectation mm-hmm. is that they are in bed at 7.30. And it's always been that way since they were toddlers because that was when my patients ran out. <laughs> um, you know, but this is the pattern. Okay, can we pause on that for a second? So you had, so we can go back to mindfulness, but like one of the things that I love to talk about is the think, feel, do triangle, right? Yeah. So a thought comes in and you react you, um, or you have a feeling and the feeling generates a reaction, right? And so like you got frustrated and you were, okay, you had the um, awareness to be able to say, I, and you know, maybe it was a second, maybe it took a couple of weeks, whatever, but you had that awareness that I don't like this routine and it is in my power to change it. And I want this other outcome. And so you made a change. Exactly. Exactly. I mean, it's, and you know, over time, I don't have to fight about it anymore. It's like, Hey guys, it's seven 30. Well-established. You're consistent. I mean, okay. Yeah. Yes. They are children. They do go, ah, why do I have to go to bed? You know, but it's right. not, it's not a knockdown drag out type like struggle right like when the first system was first maybe being oh yeah absolutely it's hard um if you're in an environment yeah. with your family that you don't have a good structure a base structure you know it takes a lot of effort um energy frustration you know contention to get that structure right. in so we might error on the side of <clears throat> excuse me over structuring and we may have to back off a little bit but at the root of most discipline problems that I see in the kids that are around my kids, it's because they don't have a solid system slash routine slash pattern in their lives. And um, awesome. So it, it brings resilience. It brings the ability to weather the storms because we have an established pattern. Doesn't mean the pattern can't change, but it gives us something to go back to when we're in a time of stress, such as the current environment. Absolutely. Okay. So you have built a lot of tools over the years to help people assess, like at minimum, their time systems. Yep. And I and I absolutely modeled my own time worksheets off of yours because they were brilliant. So do you have that? Um, where is that available? It's all on my website. Or Jessicahanson.com. Yeah. Okay. We will, if, if um, I modeled my time system off of Jessica's because 
I thought it was brilliant and I added a couple things to it. So one of the things that Jessica is really good about doing is saying, you need to take a look at your entire time spent. And she wants you to look at 24 hours in a day. Mm -hmm. And so when you are thinking about your systems, the first step is to consider where you're kind of doing an audit. Where are you currently spending your time? And um, I built a tool on my website and she has some different tools on her website. So sign up for her magic and then send me a direct message and I'll get you the tool so that you can work through that and we can give some, some other guidance on that. Um, what are some common pitfalls that you've noticed from your clients, like where they find they overspend on their systems. So what I mean by that is like running around back and forth to the spice cabinet when they're not mm-hmm. working on their steps or likewise, you mentioned uh, budgets being stressed. It's so easy in business to like grab this tool for graphic design and this tool for email automation and this, and you're like, oh, it's just $5 a month. And then some people can find that they're spending $200 a month or more on all of these various systems. And then they don't necessarily need them. 